0: The show goes on. This is the official show on the Fish Stripes podcast channel with me, Eli Sussman, the managing editor of Fish Stripes, where we cover your Miami Marlins every day in our own way. First off, subscribe to Fish Stripes on your preferred pod provider. Twice a week you get episodes of the official show with me, on all weekday mornings you have... Big Fish Small Pod from Daniel Rodriguez and Andrew Wardall, focusing on that particular day's news and updates in 10 minutes or less on alternating weeks, fresh episodes of What a Relief and Fish Stripes Unfiltered. Noah Berger hosts What a Relief interviews with members of the Marlins Bullpen, getting you familiar with these players on and off the mounds and on Fish Stripes Unfiltered the wonderful combination of banter and analysis and interviews from Kevin Baral and Isaac Azut. This upcoming Thursday, dropping one featuring Marlins insider Craig Mish. You get all of that in one spot when you subscribe to Stripes Rate and review wherever applicable. On social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Search for Fist Stripes, get unique content on each of those platforms. We appreciate all the support and engagement we get over there. The mothership, the one-stop shop to keep current on what we're covering with the Marlins on the Major League and Minor League side, looking forward and appreciating the past opinion pieces, news reports, in an analysis, and I can't even cover everything in uh, one sentence. It's a long, wide variety of Marlins coverage that we provide on our website, fishstripes.com.
1: Go to fishstripes.com.
0: These last few days, it feels like the injury bug has drained whatever blood there was left in this 2022 Marlins season. Just to get you caught up on all the names that went down in just the last few days for the Marlins. Brian Anderson, Max Meyer, Jorge Soler, Cody Poteet, Tommy Nance, Garrett Cooper. The biggest blow was a guy already on the IL, Jazz Chisholm Jr., finding out that he has been diagnosed with a stress fracture in his back, expected to keep him down for at least another six weeks this combination of players at all these different roles is just, it's a lot to ask to replace internally and frankly, even externally to address all those positions uh, without mortgaging your future at a time when the team is already five games back of a postseason spot. And this is just a, uh, the latest element that is pointing towards the Marlins being sellers at the deadline, trade deadline coming up in barely a week from now. I mentioned that because most of this episode, I'm going to turn it over to one of our newer staffers, Grant Kiefer. He hosted a lengthy Twitter space about the trade deadline and what the Marlins may be thinking about doing as the deadline approaches. The full version of that is over two hours, and you can find it on Twitter. I recorded just an excerpt from it that you'll be able to listen to at the end of this show to get a feel for you know some of the possibilities, what the Marlins could be doing in these upcoming days leading up to the deadline, understanding where they are at for all the good things that have occurred during this Marlins season. Uh, this combination of letting close games slip away and losing very essential players at a variety of positions, I think you just got to be realistic about where they stand in this current season and what they should be focusing on with this flurry of transactions uh, on the horizon for the Marlins. Before we get into that, as usual, running through these weekend games for you and my observations from each of these games, as well as going into my fish prospects of the week. And so on the other side of this break, we'll get into all of that. Stick with me. so the marlins flew into pittsburgh for a three-game set entering the series opener flirting with the wrong kind of history they'd gone 34 consecutive innings without scoring a run prior to the series and before they finally snapped out of that drought they actually tied a franchise record going 37 innings before putting up something on the scoreboard and they did it against old friend zach thompson Uh, a great team effort for this offense uh, from Nick Fortes to Miguel Rojas. And the cherry on top of this game was an Avasail Garcia home run. And that was the first Marlins home run in nearly two weeks as they go on to win eight to one. The biggest individual star of this game was Braxton Garrett. Excellent again, going six very strong innings, only allowing a couple hits to the Pirates. Back-to-back times that he has shined bright against the Pirates. So easy competition. You still need to take care of business. And in this one, his slider was especially sharp. All of his swings and misses in this game came on that slider. And he went around. So making four consecutive strikeouts for Braxton Garrett. No doubt Garrett has been one of the bright spots of this season as it has gone on. In terms of one of the players that we felt we had a good handle on but he has looked to be quite a bit more than that in solidifying himself in this Marlins rotation. So that was um, that was a feel-good win for the Marlins, for sure, against the Pirates on Friday. And they followed that up with a aggravating, you could say devastating loss for this team, both on the scoreboard and in terms of availability of players, as we mentioned, Meyer, Anderson, Nance, all of them, played in this game, suffered injuries in this game, and would subsequently go on the injured list, the Marlins started a new scoreless streak, getting shut out once nothing on Saturday by Jose Quintana and the Pirates' bullpen. Just yikes. In every sense of the word, it was a deflating day, which overshadowed the fact that they got the long-awaited debut of J.J. Blade, the former first-round draft pick, He flew into town um, to replace Jorge Soler when Soler was placed on the IL prior to this game. And and Bledet made his debut at the very end, not quite early enough to um, win the game for the Marlins. But he did represent the potential tying run in the ninth inning and drew a walk as a pinch hitter in this one. That was one of the offensive highlights in what was otherwise just a... Really brutal game to watch for the Marlins. As I said, getting shut out one to nothing, emptying their whole bullpen. For the most part, those guys did a good job of making up for Meyer's absence when Meyer couldn't even get out of the first inning before hurting his elbow in this one. The approach that the majority of these players take at the plate, you're going to have days like this. And there have been way too many of them recently. Losing that game was... Um, painful in more ways than one the rubber match on Sunday Sandy Alcantara on the mounds naturally you're feeling pretty good about your chances until you got confirmation about the injuries to Brian Anderson this Garrett Cooper who for the moment is not on the injured list but he wasn't available for Sunday as well they put out a lineup that uh, was not particularly inspiring the return of Williams Astadio somehow making it back up to the Marlins active roster On a a day where, um, who else did they play in this game? Jacob Stallings, of course, is always paired up with Sandy. And otherwise, it was just the usual faces in the lineup. J.J. Blay did make his first career start on Sunday. And it went about as good as you could have hoped for. Two for four in this game, including a, a double in the ninth inning that added what proved to be a critical insurance run for the Marlins' Uh, On Sunday, Sandy, not quite at the top of his game. And you could look at the box score really quickly and and be impressed by allowing only two hits and six innings and striking out 10, but he just was not as efficient as usual. This was his first time since May that Sandy did not get through seven innings. So that put uh, a lot of pressure on the bullpen to hold a slim lead. And they got so close to the finish line But Anthony Bass, who has been kind of very suddenly thrust into the closer's role over Tanner Scott, he came in with a two-run lead. He was let down by his defense on a day where Jesus Aguilar came through with a critical two-run single a few innings earlier. He pisses that goodwill away with his defense at first base. What looked like a fairly routine double play ball turns into a two-base error allowing Pittsburgh to get set up in that bottom of the ninth inning. They tie the game off of Bass, who still has not converted a single save with the Marlins, believe it or not. And in extra innings, the Marlins breakthrough against David Bednar. Expecting the bunt, perhaps. Instead, Fortes drops one fair into right field. And just like that, it's gonna bring home a run. A little trouble in right field for Mitchell. Fortes gets to second, and the Marlins take a 5-4 lead.
2: How about that? Welcome to the game, Nick
0: Fortes. And it was Jeff Brigham, newly brought back up from AAA, who converted the save in the bottom of the 10th inning for the Marlins to win the series, to get back up to 45-50. and 50. The Marlins are a more talented team than the Pirates are, so to see this game, this series, this season series come down to such a slim margin, Is um, I think it says all you need to know about, frankly, how far the Marlins are from being a real contending competitive team. If these kind of games come down to single plays and nail biters as well, that's that's not what the real top, real cream of the crop teams do as well. In other news uh, on the draft side, the Marlins being now a week removed from the Major League Draft, to this point, it seems like they have already finalized deals with the majority of their 20 draft picks, including first rounder Jacob Berry, second rounder Jacob Miller, but you could check it out on fistdrafts.com. I have a summary of all the other signings that they seem to have completed. Some of them with the signing bonuses are known, others we just know at the very least that the deals are done. And there is some cautious optimism that the Marlins may be able to sign everybody in their draft class. We'll see how that progresses. Still a couple weeks remaining for them to get all of those details squared away. We know how important the amateur draft is going to be for the Marlins to build a sustainable winner moving forward. Going to my fish prospects of the week, picking a couple guys that are not conventional top prospects. On the pitching side, Jackson Rose with the Beloit Skycarp. Um, the minor leagues had an all-star break the same way that the majors did. So I'm stretching the definition of week here. We're looking back uh, several weeks for Jackson Rose. He's being put into the rotation after spending most of the 2022 in the bullpen, having success in that way. And you could go back really almost over a month, and Rose has only allowed one earned run during a sample of 20 plus innings. So to see him getting stretched out as a starter and still having success is very intriguing and obviously well-deserved for Jackson Rose getting this recognition. On the hitting side, somebody we've picked before, Charles LeBlanc of AAA Jacksonville. Looking back really at the last two weeks for LeBlanc where he is OPSing nearly 1,100 with I think five extra base hits.
1: drilled, left center field and
2: deep, Khalil Lee looking up and that ball is gone.
0: Charles LeBlanc, from the great country of Canada, the French Canadian goes kaboom. And doing it while starting at four different positions, third base, second base, left field, and now with Lewin Diaz potentially on the verge of joining the Marlins active roster, LeBlanc had to fill in at first base in a recent game as well. The combination of steady offense and defensive versatility that he provides, you would think, you would think that that is something the Marlins would value on their major league roster right about now. And uh, you'd be wrong because instead they're sticking with Astadio in that particular role. Congrats to uh, Rose and LeBlanc on their performance. Hopefully the Marlins organization recognizes what they're doing as well and considers promoting them in the near-term future. For the rest of this episode, I am turning it over to Grant Kiefer. You can find him on Twitter at Kiefer Media, K-I-E-F-E-R Media. He hosted this Twitter space on Sunday night about Marlins trade deadline-related Topics. You could check out the whole thing on Twitter. This is an excerpt about what he covered in assessing the Marlins looking forward to the deadline, very likely in a seller's position, but open minded to finding ways that they can address some of the long term obvious needs that this organization has, trying to build a more complete roster that could have them back in contention as soon as next year. This is Grant, and you'll hear plenty of other voices on this space as well. I will be back with more on the official show Thursday morning. Be sure to check out our Fish Stripes live streams on Monday nights and on Friday nights, previewing every Marlins series as well. We'll take it one day at a time. There are going to be so many twists and turns. Buckle up for what is always a fun, stressful, tiring exhilarating portion of the major league season trade deadline bonanza so this is grant's space as hoda said on sunday night appreciate you listening to the official show enjoy
1: all right so for now i've only got Aramio requested we're just going to talk anything trades anything you guys have on your mind anything trade oriented we'll talk about we got uh we got riley has requested um what is good, Riley? Um, what trade thoughts do you have right now? Anything strike your attention on the market right now, or on the rumor mill? Uh, so I
2: haven't seen any rumors yet, but I definitely have some names in mind. Well, okay, I okay, saw one rumor. Uh, I rumor? saw the Cedric Mullins for uh, Pablo, Dude, and I found that kind of interesting.
1: I'm not exactly opposed to that trade. I don't know if the Orioles would do it just because they're making a playoff push right now. I actually right. doubt they would do it, but I would. I don't think I'd have a problem with that deal. I don't know how much control Cedric Mullins has. Probably a good idea if I grab my computer real quick so I can look up players while we talk about them. But I can't say I'm opposed to that right now. I think, I don't know if they do that one for one. And then again, I don't think they do it, period, just because, uh, you know, they need Cedric Mullins for this playoff push that they're about to make. He's a key part of their future. But look, Cedric Mullins' name's been. Uh, mentioned many many times in Miami Marlins trade rumors so I'm intrigued
2: by it I am do you know who you heard that from or where you saw it I had seen it on Twitter and I, I had, I'm pretty sure i seen a source but I don't know where go? I feel like I saw someone say it
1: I feel like I did see it somewhere I just can't remember if it was a fan or an actual reporter well, I personally haven't heard anything about it I'm looking up Cedric Mullins' contract right now. I want to know how much control he has. I know he's got at least one more year. Oh, he's got a lot. He's got three arbitration years left. Yeah, he's definitely going to be highly coveted, but then again, I feel like he's such a big part of the Orioles' future that they can't touch him.
2: And I had um, another name in mind that I really haven't seen too much around anywhere. Okay, But... Adoles Garcia. Adolis Garcia.
1: I know he is I don't know his stats this year at all. So let me
2: look at that. check here.
1: Um his stats could be better this year. Just a, a quick glance. Um, 728 OPS, Ooh. but he looks like I mean he's he's not really young, but I think he has some control, 100. Um, oh yeah, no, he's got a lot of control. He's got he's got next year, and then after that, he's got three years of arbitration. He's not a free agent until 2027. But the problem with that, too, is I don't know what the Reds and the Rangers are going in. I have zero clue. They have half a billion dollars invested in their infield. And um, I just don't know if they're going to buy or sell. I don't know what their, like, five-year outlook is whatsoever. So I feel like that makes it kind of tough to project a trade for Dulles Garcia. I'm going to bring Kevin in real quick, and maybe he can give his thoughts on it. Kevin and I will probably kind of run this space today. I know he was excited about it. He just got back home from Miami. Dude, just traveled across the entire east coast over the past two weeks
2: so kevin what, what are your thoughts on adolis garcia i mean i don't know if they'll sell that's the thing i think you were just mentioning it i would love adolis but that's pretty unrealistic and the marlins look like they're gonna sell let's be honest right now so yeah the Why? only way the marlins are, are the only way the marlins are buyers right now is they sweep cincinnati which they're they not gonna do and I'm going to tell you, now they're not sweeping Cincinnati. They are not sweeping Cincinnati. Just because I'm so... there, they won't sweep them. It's not happening. Not, 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 not even that. It's just... Look, look at all the, the trouble they went through to beat two out of three against the Pirates. And look, the and Reds look how... are on
1: fire right now, too. They So, right before the break, they swept Tampa Bay. And they took two out of three from the Juggernaut Yankees in New York. I think they're the first team to go into New York in a while and go win a series. And then they just beat the Cardinals in a series. It's the same team we beat once this year. Like, And the Reds have some good pitching matchups coming up this week, too. I know it's a little off track of um, trades, but they're going to beat us with our home medicine this week. I'm kind of scared for it. But all in all, yeah, I don't think the Marlins are going to buy. And I, the only players I really want to go get are guys with control. That's why I have, like, contract details pulled up and stuff for all the n- names we mentioned in here. I just want to see... I want guys with at least two and a half more years of control. If that's not possible, I then I don't want them. Like, Luis Castillo's great, but are you really going to trade for him just to have a year of Luis Castillo? I mean, we saw it backfire with
2: Starling Marte just because our front office is a little incompetent. I think, I think before we, we even look at options, you have to first assess what the team needs and what they're going to do. The Marlins are going to sell. And they need a young, controllable shortstop and a center fielder. They don't need both. Maybe a bullpen piece or two. But if you're selling out you'll probably. Not I think you can right find
1: now. answers for the bullpen within the minor leagues. And finding a random, exactly. a random thirty-some-odd-year-old reliever is pretty easy to find. And have a career season like out of nowhere, like Anthony Bass. I mean, you see it every year, like. Different guys just come up at different points, and that's why it's so important to sell high on relievers so quick. That's why they did it on Yimmy last year. That's why they're going to do it to Anthony Bass this year. The only player I personally will guarantee is going to get traded is Anthony Bass. Anyone else, I really don't know at this point. That's all purely speculation,
2: but Anthony Bass isn't getting dealt. You can't trade Aki basically, if Cooper goes on the IL. You can't trade... Um, BA because he's on the IL. Yeah, well, there's so just a lot of options series
1: the th- last night. That definitely threw a
2: wrench to the things. I know someone That's interesting I'm looking at FanGraphs right now. They have Zardo lined up for uh for August twenty third, I think. For that Cincinnati series. Oh yeah, August second. August second. So weird. it comes back on deadline day. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's it's FanGraphs so I don't know how much he's mean. got. Eli would know he's more got about. one more start
1: in the minors, I believe. I think they said they wanted to get three starts each out of Lazardo and Edward.
2: And um, yeah, Eli would. Eli, who's in here, would know more about. Eli is in basketball. here. If
1: Eli wants to request to speak. I would accept. Anyone else who you wants to join, cool. I will request or I'll accept your request here in just a second. I'll try and get as many people as I can in here tonight. Um. I think takes from maids said he may stop by. And of course he always brings Craig with him wherever he goes. So maybe that'll happen. No promises though. Um, we'll get Daniel in here. Daniel, any trade thoughts, anything on your mind right now? Marlins. Well, um,
2: sure. I think they should give JJ Bode a max contract. Uh, I yeah. think he's earned there it. There we go. Fuck yeah. Two for four stolen base. He's basically Mike Trout of this era. Um, uh sandy is the best pitcher in baseball and jj bladay is the best hitter simple as that look jj
1: Day. i know you can't assess anything off one start he may be it i know he's had an he is odd development he has had a very odd development in the minors but he's here now i'm really excited i'm really excited to go see him tomorrow I'm really excited for what he's going to do the rest of this year and beyond. I think he's a key piece in the outfield for the future. I feel like he's going to do a decent amount in these next 10 days to prove to the Marlins that he shouldn't go down when Soler comes back. I think he'll do it. If Blede goes back to the Jacksonville Marlins? at any point, unless it's a rehab start, I'm going to throw it a fifth.
2: It's going to happen. The second oh, yeah. When well, Solaire is it's healthy, Jason Bleday is gone. gone. That's he's going yeah. he, he, down. I,
1: I can sense it happening if he gets off to an okay start, but I think Boudet is going to put up some numbers these next few days. You've got seven games against Cincinnati coming up, and yes, I know they have good pitching, but he's also got four games coming up in Great American Small Park. You know, Bleday could put up some numbers over these next few days and make it tough on him. They, he really could. At least that's my hope. That's entirely my hope. Um, let's look at requests real quick. Devin had some really interesting trades last time.
2: Oh, Lord. He had some it's really interesting guy.
1: trades. Oh,
2: Lord. Here we go. All right, Devin. What's your Pablo trade this time? I uh, Let's see. Looking at the Cardinals for Pablo as a possibility. <laughs> okay. Okay. The Cardinals have
1: just been linked to another name that's a little bit bigger than Pablo Lopez. That name is Juan Soto. Yeah, oh, great. I thought
2: you were going to say Jeff Brigham. My bad.
1: <laughs> um, let me look at the Cardinals roster. If we're, we're trading Pablo, I want young MLB talent, probably,
2: if it's what possible. Would, uh, and
1: then one for one swap.
2: What would the Cardinals even offer? Like Nolan Gorman. Someone, someone suggested
1: Beautiful. this week, I think maybe even in the Fish Stripe chat. It may have been Luis. Tyler on the for Pablo Lopez, straight up. I don't think the Cardinals would do it. That would satisfy me.
2: Uh, probably looking at Carlson, Carlson or Gordon. I like Carlson, although Jordan. Jordan. Let me look at the stats of this year. Wait. The Marlins would not get Jordan Walker for Pablo Lopez. Oh no! I don't no. believe they would. No, whoever said that? No. No, no, I'm just, I'm just naming players. Oh, that was you. I'm just, player. <laughs> I'll just naming players. I'm looking at the top thirty right now. I was talking about Juan Soto. No, no Juan yeah, Soto know. is going to get any team's
1: first four prospects. Like, that's just that's how it's going to go. I know MLB Instagram is absolute cancer, but that one graphic that showed, like, every team's probable proposal was decently accurate. Like, it's going to take every team's top four oh. prospects. It'll take a young MLB. Oh, I, don't know. I just saw that Dylan
2: Carlson is the center field. MLB uh, Instagram?
1: M- MLB and stuff oh, well, not on the actual MLB's Instagram but like just th- that community oh no, no, okay I got you posted it, that would be weird that would be bizarre to just openly be Dude. endorsing that um Dylan, Dylan Carlson's OPS oh, yeah, what is meh his on base percentage is 331 that's not bad um that's just for this year he's staying on par with all of his career averages honestly um I'm looking at his, his nice ads. ex-wobo
2: He has a very nice ex-wobo I'll say that three fourteen. That is pretty decent. And yeah, not all my ticks are shit, Kev. Well, Look, that's a you just needed own. a week off. Expected waited on bed. I think he's got like three more years of control. I think. my <sighs> computer he's freezing he really... yeah you're right you're right 2027 yeah. four years so he's got
1: four more playing years not we don't even reach or five yeah. yeah but we don't reach four and a half technically we'll leave it at that um we not have to do arbitration until 2024 the cardinals have their window open the nl central is pure shit oh, i gotta get daniel back in here i was looking at my computer too long um I mean, the Cubs, Pirates, and Reds aren't going to be ready anytime soon. The Pirates are the only team there that's going to be close anytime soon. The Brewers, I want to say, maybe reaching the end of their window. I don't know for sure. I really don't. So, the Cardinals' time is now. The Cardinals want to go do something. They should. Dylan Carlson, I don't know if he really fits their timeline all that well. I get that he's young. I get that his stats are decent. But I think Pablo Lopez fits a need of theirs and their timeline better. So, I got to say, it's probably the best trade proposal we've seen so far, finding a package that has Carlson in it. I don't know if I'd do a one-for-one swap. I don't know what the Cardinals would want. The Cardinals are definitely going for a bigger fish right now. So, what
2: are anyone else's thoughts on this? Um... I think I said Pablo to L.A. would be very nice.
0: The I, Dodgers, I I, I mentioning right? that.
2: Yes, the Dodgers, not the Angels. The Angels. I don't the Angels know Dodgers, Dodgers. what the Angels are doing. Um, unless, I mean, the Angels would give up a lot for pitching, let's be honest. Yeah, because you know? the Angels just aren't smart. They're desperate. Yeah, It um, reminds me the of the Loria-era Marlins. Yeah, it looks yeah, slightly.
1: Just with the big ass contracts and the talent that they can't give any supporting cast to, and I guess that's a little bit like us right now. Even though it's cheap, but like I see some parallels.
2: I see a little bit of parallels there. Um, shit, what was I doing? If you're, if you're looking at the Dodgers, you would have to look miners. So I don't think they're going to give up much major league talent. They I do doubt club, they would, but their farm systems. we about good. lux. He's going to be a free they won't agent. They give up lux. There. Gavin Lux, Ozzy um... I mean, did they have that left field?
1: I don't know. I, some dude may have been lying. He's got control, I feel like, so... I'm not he, sure does, does, say, he does. He never does. Never
2: Yeah. 2027.
1: I, was, I was, was discussing with people uh, earlier about um, a short stop next year, and someone said, oh, go get Gavin Lux. I guess I read that as a sign. As to have him play second. Take a low flyer on him because he's not having a good season right now. Yeah, but we know what he's capable of. One hundred percent.
2: Are you guys? Um, are you guys confident that uh, Jazz can play uh, shortstop? Or are you think no, no, no? He's, he's the a second baseman. That don't know. He's, he's been converted
1: shortstop. to the second baseman. If he, he were to play shortstop, that would uh, that would be a complete last resort. I is. get that was his. From yeah, it coming it into be, but that would just be a little
2: desperate. Yeah, he hasn't looked good, but, I mean, like you said, that's what he plays. It's just a it's lot. a health
1: thing. I mean, I don't know how you can expect to trot Jazz out there for triple-digit games at the position that's even more agile now that he's got a decent little injury history on his resume. You could put Joey Wendell out there, too, but Joey Wendell is not an everyday player. He's talented enough to be an everyday player, but physically he's not. He's been a platoon player pretty much his entire career. And now the Marlins are overworking him, and eventually that hamstring is going to get injured again. If they keep playing him like this, at least. So, shortstop, all of a sudden, now that it's really been brought to everyone's attention that Miguel Rojas may not stay much longer, I feel like that becomes the biggest offseason need. You look at a lot of the past World Series winning teams; they've all had a really good shortstop. They all had one. Yeah, Mickey. Uh, no, he's a great not. defensively. He's a great defensive shortstop, Gold Glove candidate. But his hitting—it's
2: cool. not going to pass. It just won't. At the end of the day. I agree. I agree. I agree. I mean, especially with the Marlins, like. Who's the next closest guy?
1: Bryson Bergman?
0: Like, And even uh, that's
1: not a long term answer. Like, Khalil Watson exactly. is still light years away.
2: More than that. So you got
1: to go outside the box. You got to go to the market. You got to go to the
2: trade. Can anyone get the free agents shortstops for next year?
1: I know Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts are in there. I really want Trey Turner after I found out he grew up a Marlins fan.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Dansby Swanson.
1: Dansby Swanson, look, um, his wife is quite beautiful. Nah, I'm kidding. Uh, I mean, he'd be nice to have, but um, let's be, be honest, I think need someone best, a little any more of those reliant. guys. Any of those
2: guys? Yeah, I would take any of them in a heartbeat. If game. we can
1: get Dansby for the right price, absolutely. But here's the thing: the we'll Marlins screwed one. themselves over financially with Abisal Garcia and Jorge Soler. They go get rid of one of those guys at the deadline, I'd be pretty happy and I'd feel pretty good about maybe going to sign one of these other guys.
2: I think um, we should be talking about like what the Marlins did in the draft and how that translates to the big league club, because what they did was very, very interesting. They went Yes, their strategy,
1: they have acknowledged that they suck at something. They've acknowledged yeah, that yeah, exactly. That they cannot develop a hitting talent that well. And they've also the acknowledged sports. that they have an insane... Um, fuck, I just completely blank. They have insane pitching development.
2: And was this before the they got swept
1: or right after? The draft was during the All-Star break. So, after. Oh, this was okay. right before we came back to Texas. Jeez, and they were confident in so hell then. Back that, look, reason. I don't know how many starting pitchers totally got, but it was majority. By far the majority. I'll tell you right now. Trades, not. whether it's happening at this deadline or it's happening in the offseason, trades are coming. We don't know what trades, we don't know what starting pitchers are getting traded. I can pretty much guarantee that Sandy's going to stay. Almost guarantee Yuri's going to stay unless some huge... Yuri's on the market. Right yeah. Yuri's like the only untouchable they have right now and Sandy, obviously. Yuri... Sandy, in terms of healthy players, I, I'd say I'd throw jazz in there too, but he's not healthy. He can't get traded. So as of right now, you got two untouchables in your entire organization. There are many, many starting pitchers. Anyone can just point to and say, yep, we want them.
2: They took 12 pitchers, by the way, I I in the Joe
1: I thought it was a lot more. Wait, After wait. that second day, I thought they were going to go 19 pitchers and one hitter. <laughs> it oh, was okay. bad.
2: 14 pitchers. I'm sorry. 14? Okay. And they way. just signed one. They they actually just signed one. Kyle Kruger Oh, they, oh, they got, got the. Oh yeah, they got such an extremely low value for thirty seven k. And is and is and, and for just for reference, where he was picked, his slot value is like two hundred two k. So the mo- uh, I think that's what it was at least. I'm probably looking at it completely wrong, but he they they got him for way under the slot value. Yeah, the I'm number, looking at the, the, agents. Number two hundred and two pick is two hundred thirty-nine k. So, and Miami signed it for thirty-seven thousand five hundred dollars. So, that's props, a, props I, that props. Props
1: to them. Props to them. That will help the bonus pool in future drafts. Obviously, we talked about that. It'll, all, it'll I tried to talk about that on the stream. It'll so, also
2: allow them to, to draft other guys. I mean, not draft. draft. I'm sorry, sign.
1: Yeah, you're pretty much, you're nearly guaranteed to get everyone unless they decide to go to college route or they want to test out another year, like next year. So I tried to mention this in the draft stream. There was a lot going on in said draft stream. The Marlins had a decent sized pool. They had the eighth best pool, but they also had the sixth pick. So they were kind of in a weird spot where, like, if they went above slot, like, they were going to have to go value picks the rest of the draft. People were very surprised by the Kumar pick, but looking back on it, really we shouldn't have been that surprised. The Rangers were very middle of the pack with their pool. They had the third pick. Their total pool was like just over $8 million. So if the Rangers went with Parada, let's say, or Brooks Lee, they maybe got a million dollars to go spend on the rest of their draft picks. It wasn't going to end well for them. So I think looking back on it, I didn't really realize at the time we were all shocked at that pick. Looking back, it makes a lot of sense they went value right there. And, of course, the Marlins paid very, very overslot for Khalil Watson. Or, I mean, not over but, like, you know what I mean. Like, he fell to them. So that, that affected this year's bonus pool. Uh, it doesn't entirely carry over, but it plays a factor in my understanding. I've gone through a bonus pool loophole since learning more about it on Sunday stream. So, real quick, back to – um Free agent shortstops. Danny was asking about them. Tim Anderson, $12.5 million club option with a $1 million buyout. Don't I even look at Tim Anderson. I, I think the safe to say the White Sox are going to pick that up. He's pretty much all they've got going for him right now. Um, oh, this is in alphabetical order. I was like, Ellis Anderson is not the second best shortstop. Um, Xander Bogart can opt out of the remaining three years of his deal. Carlos Correa can opt out. That's really expensive, though. Charlie Culverson is on there. If they sign Charlie Culverson, I think I'm out. Didi Gregorius is on there. Um, that's not horrible.
2: Horrible. No, no, no Didi, no Didi, no Didi. I
1: mean, if you get into a one- or two-year deal, they sign him any more than that, that'd be bad. You could get like a stopgap, a shortstop, for just a year or two. How old is then, Didi? Then go try again next year. 33. I mean, mm. most of the short stops in the market are decently old. The youngest, like, top short stop that's going to hit the market is Carlos Correa. is 28.
2: You got your boy it's Jose not,
1: Iglesias out there this year, Kevin. Oh, he's there. You're a yeah, big yeah, Jose Iglesias deal. guy. I am. I am. Simmons is out there. Obviously, we mentioned Dansby. My guy now, Trey Turner. And then Jonathan VR, which well, I don't think any of us really want that reunion. He's got DFA today. No. How much do you think Chaytrain trade is going to be asking for?
2: Like, people are like. It's well, a good question.
1: Uh, um, a lot is what I can say. Um, Hell, is definitely going to help us evaluate. Um. <laughs> See who else is on here that can play shortstop. I mentioned it today as another like stopgap option uh, for just like a year or two. You can go get Kyle Farmer from the Reds. He's better than Rojas at the plate. His defense is all right. It's not world beating. I don't think you're really going to find a lot of guys out there with better defense than Miguel Rojas like in this market. But uh, you could go trade for Kyle Farmer. I don't think the Reds would ask for that much. The Reds have a lot of becoming infielders in their system is what I've observed. So you could probably go get Cal Farmer for a decent price. Although that wouldn't be like the big splash everyone wants is also the problem. Um, I've got some requests in here. I'll bring in some people here real quick. Um, Any thoughts whatsoever? Let's hear what kind of trade thoughts you guys have or off season thoughts too, because Trade deadline kind of got ruined with these injuries, let's be honest. We wanted Brian Harrison traded. There's no chance for him to get traded now. Uh, Max Meyer won't be going in any blockbuster deals. Garrett Cooper, I would say, is probably going to get put on the aisle at some point. I'm not definitive on that, but they said there was something in that x-ray that doesn't seem too promising. So to the two people I just brought in here, what do you guys have for me? Hey,
2: can you hear me? Yes. Right. So, um, yeah, just being realistic, I feel like Turner and Swanson, those guys, Mons are never going to pay for those guys.
1: Um, yeah, fair assessment, I unfortunately. I think a
2: really, yeah, a really, I think a good idea is a, a guy like Ahmed Rosario who
1: next year is his last year of arbitration. And the Guardians have uh,
2: three middle infielders that are in AAA that are top prospects. Um, so they might be... This might I've seen that
1: up. name get brought up a little bit more recently. I'm in yeah. Rosario. Let me check his stats this year. I haven't it's, paid attention uh, to
2: anything knows. American League. Uh, yeah. I've seen that name floating around. Uh, I, I saw this. How old is I, I saw this see. one. I know, I, I know people have seen this one, but... Someone said on Twitter, trade Bass and, Wa- and Khalil Watson for Amed Rosario, and I was this close to blocking that person. <laughs> but I—that's I a terrible I, trade. That's like the worst trade I've ever seen in my life. That's literally what I told him. I was like, Come uh, on, bro. "What about something along the lines?" What, what like, would a Bass and Khalil
1: Watson package even get? He had that's to have a been really drunk. Strange package. Well like, you I'm in shock. What about? His like, OBS oh, is oh. seven forty-five. <laughs> slashing 295-333-412 this year. That's not a bad slash line. Uh, The problem is the Guardians are going for it. That AL playoff race is tight. It is very tight. Two Sox teams are probably going to be the only ones that sell. Maybe. White Sox, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. The Red Sox are definitely going to sell. So, I don't know what, what be, the Guardians I'll are going to do. I think the support. Guardians will be more likely to deal Amit Rosario in the offseason at the trade deadline. That's
2: what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, I
1: think you're a little more likely to see that. The Marlins are definitely going to be a lot more active in the offseason, I would say. I think it's because of the situation with the roster right now at the trade deadline.
2: It, it gives you a year to determine if you want to extend him, if you can extend him, or if you know if you want to see if someone like Jose Salas you know emerges as the the twenty
1: twenty four guy at shortstop, you know. It gives you gives you options. Yeah. And then even then, I mean, I don't know where the Rojas rumors one hundred percent came from. Rojas could very well be the starting shortstop on opening day twenty twenty three, but long term speaking, I don't know what you do. I mean Rojas is getting older. He's not going to be the Marlins shortstop forever, but um, I think it's good to just look at this. So I want to shift real quick to the outfield. J.J. Day. we talked about at the beginning. That guy is going to be something, I think. I know I've said that, but I think J.J. Ableday may finally be, like, the first hitting prospect the, the Marlins have had, like, burst onto the scene that they fully developed. I'm really impressed. So far, I know it's just one game. I said this already, too, but I'm really excited to go talk to him tomorrow. But, I mean, your corner outfielders today were Jesus Sanchez and Brian De La Cruz. That's not feasible long-term. But the way they've been playing right now. So I don't know where they're going to go from there. I mean, Jorge Soler's been disappointing, but I think he could maybe get it together. Out of all the disappointing signings they've made this offseason, I've been on record saying this. I think Jorge Soler is the most salvageable because he has a knack for having really good second halves. Although people who have just been saying that, basing it off last year, he was in Atlanta last year. Everyone plays better when they're with the Braves, unfortunately. But when Jorge Soler comes back, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes firing out of the gates. It's just I think his approach is a little bit messed up right now. And um, Baylor Cruz, I mean, he showed great signs last year, but I don't know what's happened to him either. Outside of the occasional home run, I feel like he's been non-existent at the plate as well. So I don't know where they're going to go for the outfield. I would love to see some of these outfielders get called up. 100%. I want to see Burdick. I want to see, yeah, yeah, see Not on. Burdick. Not Burdick.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> not Burdick. Monte Harrison trade. Uh, okay. Okay. Monte Harrison uh, for Pablo Lopez. Straight up. said uh, that.
0: Yeah.
2: I'd i accept that. <laughs> no. Yeah,
1: that's so no. Funny. um I know who would accept that as Loud Marlins fan. No comment. Um <laughs> he may or may not have signed um and framed Monte Harrison jersey for those who don't know. Um I don't know who, what the market
2: looks like for outfielders this year. And the Marlins have a pretty bad track record already of outfield signings, but I'm just taking the peeve. Like, the biggest thing I guess you could mention is Loriano. That's about it. I mean... Oh, yeah, well, I have. think...
1: The, 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 yeah, but the problem with Hap is this control situation. Well, they I'm would talking, have to really I'm buy well. In general. I'm not talking Marlins. I'm
2: talking in general of the guys on that outfield market.
1: Oh, yeah, the, the market right now, like, I would say Loriano may stay put. in And be then good. obviously, so, More and than obviously
2: Soto the big fifth.
1: Yes. I just, I don't know if he's going to get dealt with this deadline. I feel like it's, if we're going to go across sports here, I I feel like it's a very Kevin Durant situation. It's such a big historic potential net that you don't know what they're going to like get. And the nationals have half the league hitting their line. I don't know if the nationals are ready to give away a generational player in a two week span. I think they may wait towards the offseason, although it's a very risky move for health reasons. But um, I just think that it would probably be wise to assess a little bit more unless offers keep coming in. I know there's a lot of so much shady sources out there, like saying that they're plugged in on the SOTO situation, MLB leaks, MLB nerds. Although MLB nerds has had a couple good scoops, although I won't go down that rabbit hole today. I don't know who's plugged in on the Soto situation. I don't know what reporter I can like really rely on right now to give me good Soto updates. Although I think the last like verified one, I think I, ESPN like sent it out on their notifications that the Cardinals are becoming a potential front runner for Juan you know, Soto.
2: That's right what now. I saw. A too. name that I haven't heard much of is Michael A. Taylor. That's that's interesting. Not for not even the Marlins. Just in general, I'm talking here. 'Cause I know he was Michael A.
1: Taylor he was rumored to be a Marlins signing last offseason, and I was gonna throw a fifth, that ended up being their good like their big signing. But of course, fast forward to this summer and I wouldn't be all that mad if the Marlins themselves got Michael A. Taylor. But I think Michael A. Taylor will probably get dealt. I think it's safe to say. Although I don't really know what the Royals are doing. The Royals are selling. They're trying to sell better than B. That's one. Benintendi's getting traded within the next few days, more than likely. And also, a quick side note, real quick, it just crossed my mind. Trade market's been waiting a while to, like, get legit moves happening because um, because you've got the expanded playoffs this year. More teams think they can compete, just like our Marlins. So they're waiting until the last second to go see if you know, or do they want to go buy or do they want to go sell? That's why the trade market's been dry as can be right now. Cause most years, maybe about a week and a half before the deadline, you see things start to heat up. If you like, like a memory that sticks out in my mind, the most is Johnny Cueto trade in 2015. Like that happened like a week and a half before a trade deadline. It was right after the all-star break. I think Manny Machado got dealt like three weeks before the trade deadline two to L.A. from the Orioles, if I remember right. I think he got dealt during that all-star break. I think. Um, so this year, I mean, so Vogelbach, what's really happened? You've got the trade deadline. Once we go to bed tonight and wake up tomorrow, it'll be eight days until trade deadline day. And you've got Vogelbach as your big move, barring any big trades happen tonight. So that's just a little tidbit on that, On if anyone's wondering why the trade market is... It's been pretty dry recently.